Growing up as a kid, I loved the game Guess Who? Any other Guess Who fans out there? What's, what's a lot of fun now is uh, my, my kids are playing this game, and especially our youngest daughter. Uh, she loves to play this game, and uh, so she and I have, have a lot of fun playing the game Guess Who? And uh, the game, if you've never played it, it's, it's a series of asking yes or no questions to, to try through a process of elimination discover what the identity is of your opponent, the little card that they have that represents something. And if I'm being really honest, for many years in my life growing up, I think I was playing this game in real life. I was trying to figure out through a series of activities, events, hobbies, style of music, trying to figure out who I was. You ever been on that quest to try and discover, wait a second, who am I and why am I here? What's the point of all of this? Like, who, who am I really? And for, for many years, I was using activities like sports and music and style even, uh, friends and, and, and different activities to try and discover on my own who I am. See, what I know about you and about me, because it's true of all of humanity, is that all of humanity longs for a life that satisfies. And at the center of this idea of finding fulfillment is our identity, who we are, who we, who we are in and of ourselves. How many times have you said, or maybe others around you have said, I just need to find myself? Ever heard somebody say that? I just, I'm just trying to find myself right now. I don't really know what my purpose is. I don't really know why I'm here. I don't know really who I am. I'm just trying to find myself. I was reading uh, an article earlier this week from Psychology Today, and it says this about uh, the human's approach to trying to find their identity. It says this. It says, identity is concerned largely with the question, who are you? What does it mean to be who you are? Identity relates to our basic values that dictates the choices that we make. Relationships, careers, etc. These choices reflect who we are and what we value. For example, we can assume that an investment baker values money, while the college professor values education and helping students. However, few people really choose their identities. Instead, they simply internalize the values of their parents or the dominating culture around them and pursue things like materialism, power, or even appearance. Sadly, these values may not be aligned with one's authentic self and create an unfulfilling life. In contrast, Fulfilled people are able to live a life true to their values and pursue meaningful goals. Lack of coherent sense of identity will lead to uncertainty about what one wants to do in life. And they sum it up with this really interesting thought. You can choose your values. You can choose your values, which means... Your values help inform your identity. You can choose your values. We are really all on a little bit of this quest for satisfaction. And, and identity is such an important part of it. Identity, though, is not found based on your life's activity. 
That's, that's not where your identity comes from. It's not shaped that way. In fact, your identity is, is shaped uh, by an internal voice that you allow to speak into your life to speak value, to speak purpose, to speak really to your identity. There's an internal voice. See, it is your identity that will shape your activities, not your activities that shape your identity. And I believe that there is one voice that we need to hear more than any other voice when it comes to discovering our identity. Whose voice do you think that would be? Well, I'll tell you, it's the voice of your creator. The one who formed you and fashioned you. See, the Bible says that God created you. Before you were even born, you were being knit together in your mother's womb. How beautiful and wonderful and fearful and and amazing you are. And you were crafted and made in such a way that God created you. And because he is the creator, he therefore knows your intentions. He knows your identity. He knows who he really intended you to be. It's not a series of circumstances. It's not a series of trying to to try and identify whether or not this awkward feeling that I feel in middle school is actually revealing to me the identity that I need to have for the rest of my life. Nor is it the sum total of your activity, hobbies, or profession that really identify who you truly are. There is something else at play. And I think that we can learn a few things From God's son, Jesus. Jesus made a series of identity statements in the gospel of John. He made seven of them, in fact, where he would say, I am such and such. And he would make these statements that were based on a value that he understood about his life that was revealed because God had spoken it to him into his life. In other words, Jesus drew his identity and mission and purpose on this earth because he was in a relationship with God, his father. And the same is true for you and me. We can live a life that is satisfied. We can live a life that is fulfilling. We can live a life full of purpose and meaning and value all because we hear a voice from God and he speaks something to us. And I think some of the same things Jesus said about his own identity we can learn and help inform our identity. Here's the big idea of this entire series is that we're going to allow Jesus's identity to inform our identity. We're going to allow these seven statements. And I want to look at one of them today. And it's found in John chapter 15. So if you have a copy of scripture, I'd love for you to join me in John 15. Uh, maybe you didn't bring a, a, a copy of scripture with you. That's all right. If you've got a mobile phone uh, or a device with you, open up the browser and go to faithchurchks.org. And right there on that homepage, you'll see one of the cards that says sermon notes. And in that, if you click on it, you'll be able to follow along with the scriptures as well as kind of the main points that we're sharing today, and it'll be a resource for you. John 15, we're going to start in verse 1. And here's the big idea today. I want you to understand that God's desire for your life is that your life would flourish, that it would flourish. God wants your life to flourish. Let me say it another way. God wants you to win in your life. He doesn't want you defeated. He doesn't want you feeling like it's pointless. He wants you to win in life. He wants your life to flourish in every arena. Uh, John 15, starting in verse 1, this is what it says. Jesus is talking, and he says this, I am, everybody say, I am. I am the true vine, and my father, he's the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will bear even more fruit. Everybody say more. Even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Therefore, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You will not flourish in your life by yourself. Self-sufficiency will suffocate the life of God that is going to flourish in your life. If you're trying to live a self-sufficient life, you will suffocate the goodness of God right out of it. Apart from me, you can't, you can't do any. You cannot bear any fruit. Neither can you uh, bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine. In case you weren't paying attention the first time I said it, I am the vine. You are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, though, and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus comes and he says, I am the vine, you're the branch. Here's the first thing that I want to, to bring to you today, the first thought to kind of help us all discover some things, and that's this, that Christ is the source of a life that flourishes. If you want your life to flourish, Christ will be at the source of your life. Sources matter. Uh, in English class, if you don't cite your sources on your English paper, you're going to not get as good of a grade, right? It Why? Because your source that you got that information, it matters. We live in a day and an age where we have to check and cross-reference and fact-check every single news article that we read or hear. Why? Because we live in a world of fake news. And it doesn't mean one station gets it right, because I promise you they do not. We have to validate and almost search for ourselves. And it's incredibly frustrating to try and find real, helpful information that hasn't been tainted by somebody else's opinion. Sometimes it's hard to find the facts. I'm going to get off this soapbox and get back to preaching Jesus. Hold on. I'm going to walk over here. Listen, sources matter. It, it matters to you, the source. Uh, did you know that sources matter so much to America that, that in 2017, they spent 49, over $49 billion on organic food products? Over $49 billion, the American people spent their money because they mattered the source that their food came from. Friends, I want to say that you are more than what you eat. And if we are willing to, to pay that much attention to what we eat, and I'm not saying it's bad, I think it's a good thing that we pay attention to things. But if we're willing to pay that much to make sure our food comes from the right source. How many of you know it's about time we start paying real close attention to where our identity comes from, where our purpose is coming from, where all of our life begins to take shape and form. The source matters. Jesus said it of himself. I am the true vine. Let's 
not get too deep into spiritual things that we forget common sense for a minute. If there is a true vine, that must mean that there are false vines, right? In other words, there are some things that will act like they, they're going to produce good things, but they are false, fake substitutes. They are an impression or an impersonation of the true thing. There are some things that you can put your faith in, your life in, and allow to be the source of your life that will look like it's producing joy and satisfaction, but in the end, it is still shallow. If you allow your identity to be shaped by your job or your role or your stage of life, when that stage of life changes, you will have an identity crisis. If your identity is is centered around your kids, when your kids grow up and get out of the house, because that's God's will. All of a sudden, mom and dad, everything that revolved around your kids now is no longer there. And there's a vacuum hole of purpose and you have an identity crisis. When the money that you've pursued for your entire life in your career goes, 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 and you plateau and you're getting to that middle age in life. And all of a sudden, the more cars and the more bank accounts and the more things and the more toys and the nicest fishing equipment and boats that you can buy and all of those things all of a sudden start to leave you still a little hollow because more never satisfies. Your identity has been wrapped up in externals. All of a sudden, when the externals changes, so does your identity. Why? Because you're plugged into the wrong source. And we have to be careful that we don't allow our external realities to define our internal identity. You can be connected to the source, Jesus Christ, and within it, you can find true life. There is nothing that you can link, plug into, or attach your purpose to greater than Jesus. He is the true source of flourishment in your life. He's the one. He's the source, which means when we try with everything that we have to try and make other things work, trying to flourish in our own selves, it won't work because it's all about the source that you're connected to. And Jesus was giving us the secret. Hey, if you want a life that satisfies, stay connected to the true vine, the source. Here's a second thought for us today. And that's this. A disconnection leads to dysfunction. A disconnection leads to dysfunction. He said that anything that isn't bearing fruit gets kind of cut off and removed. And everything that is bearing fruit, Jesus said, gets pruned by God. In other words, you could say it like this. You're pruned if you do and you're pruned if you don't. (laughs) The cuts of life are going to come. The choice to remain despite the cut will allow you to flourish or it will lead to dysfunction because you've allowed yourself to get disconnected. And some of you might be sitting there, well, pastor, God's the one. He's the one. He's going to cut some. Some are going to get in and some are going to get out. It's up to God. No, don't get tripped up by the language. See, it says it twice. At the very beginning, verse one, it says anything that isn't bearing fruit gets cut. And a little bit later on, I think it's in verse four or five, where he says, anything that gets removed from the vine gets tossed off to the side. In other words, the language in the original uh, text is actually saying anything that's already been disconnected at the root gets taken away. In other words, where there is no fruit in your life, it's an, identic, it, it's an identifier that there is something that has been disconnected. 
There's some, in other words, if there's an area in your life where you're not flourishing, where you're not producing fruit, where it's not satisfying, it's either an area that has just been pruned or you have already disconnected from the source and you're just seeing the evidence of the disconnect. It's possible to be attached on the outside, but on the inside, not have real life. Have you ever seen a branch like that? The bark, it's all still connected. It's still hanging on, but it's not actually have, it doesn't actually have anything life-giving in it. Those are the ones that, hey, we're going to remove these. Friends, the decision to remain connected to Jesus when he starts pruning things in your life is the best decision you can make. Because sometimes God starts cutting out relationships, starts cutting out priorities, starts cutting out preferences in your life. See, as you start following Jesus and he wants your life to flourish, and the reason he would prune it out is because it's going to actually suffocate the thing that you want to see flourish. And he doesn't want that to happen. And so he'll start pruning it and getting, getting things in and out of your life and things that used to be hobbies. All of a sudden he's saying, hey, let's not turn those into hobbies anymore. Let's, let's put our attention somewhere else. Your priority of hanging out at the lake all of a sudden begins to change on the weekend because you don't know why. You just got to hang out at church. There's something life-giving among the people of God and your priorities and your, your decisions. And, and it's all about when he starts to prune, what happens on the inside to you? You have a choice to remain or to disconnect. That's on you. And that's on me. See, internally, if God starts to prune some things in your life, you decide to get offended and upset and frustrated and hang on to selfishness it's going to begin to produce some root rot. And eventually you'll find yourself without source of God because you have internally disconnected from what God wants to give you. He says, anybody who remains in me and, and remains in my word, why do we talk about reading the Bible on a daily basis around here? Because this is a source of life for you. It's, it's nutrients and sustenance for your life. If you want to flourish, it be, it, it's because you begin to get into where Jesus is. You begin to stay connected. It's up to you to stay connected or not. How many of you have ever uh, driven in a caravan like on a highway trying to make a trip. You had like multiple cars in, in, in a row. Now, when you're driving uh, in a caravan and there's multiple cars in a row, uh, you have a choice. You can either keep pace with the lead car and you stay right there. Uh, but then every once in a while, as you're following, things are cruising along, you get some jerks out there on the I mean, people out on the road, excuse me. <laughs> And they're all trying to cut in and disconnect the chain of caravan that you got going on. And there are a couple people in life. There are those people that just let that disconnect happen and let it drift back. And they're just like, I don't know, that other person, they just left me. I've been left by my leader. They don't care anymore. Right? It's a choice. Essentially, you're allowing this, this interruption, this unplanned thing, this, this pruning to now dictate to you somebody, you start holding a fence against the person who's in the lead. If they cared about me, they would have slowed down. I can't believe it. Don't they see in their rear view mirror ever so small that I'm way back here left off. I don't know where I'm going. I'm trying to follow. Where's the next turn. I don't know. You start internalizing, getting stressed out. All of a sudden you are not flourishing. Or when the disconnect happens, 
You tip, turn on a turn signal and say, uh, uh, no, thank you. I'm going to stay connected to the lead. Come on. Are you catching this yet? See, when pruning comes in your life, you have a choice to stay connected or allow it to disconnect you. And if you get disconnected, it's a choice that you make and your disconnection will lead to dysfunction in your life. It disrupts the flow of God's life in you because you made a decision to disconnect. You made a decision to no longer go to the source of life. You've made a disconnection and that disconnection will lead to dysfunction in your life. One of the greatest causes for people who love God and follow God to disconnect from God. Are you ready? It's shame and guilt. And Jesus speaks to that in verse three. Listen to what he says. He already says, hey, abide in me. Let let me bear, you'll bear much fruit if you stay connected to me. Verse three, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Therefore, verse four, remain in me. You're already good. You're already loved by God. You're already accepted by God. So you messed up, big deal. Stay connected, get back in. So you missed a Sunday, don't miss two. So you didn't uh, pray this week. That's all right. Pray this week coming up, right? Like, so you missed the day. Don't sit there feeling shame, feeling neglected, feeling like you're less than, feeling like God doesn't love you and accept you anymore. No, he already says you've already been made clean. I've already accepted you. I've already connected you. You're already a part of the tree. Don't disconnect further because you feel like, well, I don't know if it really worked. I don't really know if God loves me. I don't really know if I'm accepted. I've done some things. I've said some things. I've, I've messed up since I've been baptized. I mean, it's all a mess. I don't know if I can. My marriage isn't working. I, I can't any, let anybody see that. There's no way I could serve. There's no way I could contribute. There's no way I could be a part. I mean, what? No, no. And it's shame that tries to sever you from your source. Don't let shame sever you from your source. Y'all, that was not in my notes, but that was good. (laughs) Don't let shame sever you from your source. Jesus knew that it would. That's why he addresses it at the very, very top. You're already in. Therefore, just stick around. Just keep showing up. Just keep bringing it to God. Just keep trusting in the Lord. Just keep bringing it. Just keep doing it his way, even though it hasn't started to work yet. Still keep doing it. Don't disconnect. One of the reasons why I believe so many people don't flourish in their faith, it's simply because they keep uprooting and upplanting themselves, church hopping, church shopping, church finding. They're trying this new thing and now a new study and now a new thing and a new devotional and, and it's just this and it's that. No, what you need to do is find a place that God's calling you, get planted there so that life can begin to be produced. But every time you uproot, you find yourself disconnected. Don't disconnect, get connected. There are a ton of great churches in this area. Find one that God is calling you to get connected there. If you don't like it here, go to the Nazarene church. Pastor Virgil is amazing. Find somewhere to connect and stop uprooting yourself. Because if you're going to flourish like God wants you to, it's because you stay connected. But if you want to continue to have dysfunction in your life, you just keep disconnecting yourself. You go right ahead and keep disconnecting. It is your choice to connect or disconnect. 
Connect or disconnect. Your choice. I want to challenge you. Stay connected. Why? Because number three, a deep connection produces a deep satisfaction. If you want to live a flourished life, if you want to live a life that is satisfied, if you want to live a life that is full of meaning and purpose, it's going to come not because you do certain things, but because you've developed a deep connection to the Lord, to the source of all life. Check out how Jesus describes it, starting in verse 7 of chapter 15. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much, not a little, not some, not just a, a little twinkling amount, not a mini grape, but a big grape. Come on, not, that, that you would bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commands, remain in his love. I have told you this. I love this last part. I've told you this, Jesus said, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Does that sound like a life that's flourishing to you? Joy that's in you and joy that isn't lacking at all. Fully satisfied in joy. A life that, that recognizes that I'm loved by God. Like the creator of the cosmos loves me individually, by name. Does that sound like a satisfied life? Yeah. Oh, and I love the part where he says, and if you stay connected to the source, you stay connected to my love, you know that you belong, you know that this is a place that, that your life is gonna flourish, you know that God wants your life to flourish. See, a lot of people doubt that God wants them to have a good life. They think pain and suffering is God's way of teaching them something. That's a bunch of baloney and it's not in scripture. If you've been taught that, ask for a refund. <laughs> Does pain come? Yeah, it's called pruning. But on the other side is a life that flourishes. It's not for punishment. God's pain isn't to punish you. He already punished Jesus on the cross. Why would he try and punish you twice? He already punished his son. Any pain in our life, it's just pruning to produce more fruit. And it's the person who chooses despite life circumstances, despite the season of life, whether they're a parent or a grandparent, whether they're in a job or out of a job, whether they've got a lot of money or they ain't got any at all, whether they, they, they feel educated or uneducated, whether they're living a good life or man, they're struggling right now. Whatever the external is, the people who choose to stay connected and remain in God, they're the ones who flourish. They're the ones who flourish. Listen, your identity source. If you want to know where the source of your identity really is, it's found in this. It's found in God's love. It's in God's love. If you aren't being connected into God's love, if you're not aware of how much God loves you, if you're not aware of those things, you'll think about things like, I'm being punished. Why would God punish you? No, his love for you is amazing. It is immense and your identity will be formed 
as you understand God's love and as you accept God's love. You might be sitting there, Pastor, how do I, how do I, how do I remain in God's love? Three things, real simple this week, real practical. Number one, remind yourself of God's love daily. How do you, how do you stay connected to God's love? Remind yourself daily. On the central hub, in the sermon notes for this week, under this point, there are seven scripture references that I give you to remind you of God's love. Look them up and read them every day this week. Out loud. Don't read them silently. I want you to read them out loud. Because you learn and retain more when you speak it and you hear it. Say it out loud. Remind yourself daily of God's love. Number two, remain among God's people. Remain among God's people. Make it your aim this year not to miss a single Sunday. Be a part. Be a part where God's people are. There's something special that happens when we collectively come together and declare that oceans can rise. Doesn't matter what's coming against us. There's going to be peace in our lives. Doesn't matter what's going You need the daily reminder, a weekly reminder that God loves all of us and we're in this together. That's why being here matters. Be here. Don't miss it. Be among God's people this year. If you give one year of your life to say, God, I'm all in with you. I'm going to, I'm going to attend. I'm going to worship. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to find a group to belong to. If you will give yourself one year, I promise you will see the fruit and your life flourish. Unlike any other year in your life, but it's because you choose to abide and remain. Remind yourself daily of God's love. Remain among God's people. And number three, resist self-sufficiency by choosing to serve others. Resist self-sufficiency and choose to serve others. I want to invite you, if you are not currently on a serve team here at Faith Church, and this is your church, sign up for a serve team. You want to see your life flourish? There's something that happens when you make a decision to no longer be self-sufficient, but serve somebody else. There is something that happens in you. I see it over and over and over again. There's a couple here in our church and I tell their a little bit of their story in this book that I'm writing. And nothing accelerated their life of faith. Nothing accelerated God's best in their life. Like when they decided to start serving. Listen, when you serve somebody else, you are denying self-sufficiency. And you're allowing yourself to be a source of God's love to somebody else. Let's be sources of God's love to other people. Let's serve others. We can be a flourishing people when we stay rooted in God's love. Will you stand? As we come to a close today, Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's just seal this moment with with a little bit of of a prayer. Father, we want to flourish in our lives. Lord, I'm surrounded by people who know that you love them. Some maybe are, are learning that you love them. Some have discovered it for the first time today. But Lord, the reality is you love each of us. This week, may we remind ourselves of your love. 
May we remain among your people week after week. And Lord, may we resist self-sufficiency by serving somebody else. Lord, do that in our hearts this week. Still praying, everybody's still praying all over the place. Friends, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Matthew, I, I've never experienced God's love and I don't think I've ever been connected to God. I want to receive Jesus in my life. I want to no longer be self-sufficient, but I want to have all of God in me. I want the life of God in me. I've never said yes to Jesus, or I want to return to Jesus and let him be the Lord, be the source of my life. If that's you all over the place, put a hand in the air real fast so we know who we're praying for. Hands are going up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Hands are going up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Church family, can we all pray this together? Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for sending Jesus to us. We receive your love by faith today. We believe that you are God's son, that you died on the cross, taking the punishment for me. I believe in Jesus, that you raised from the dead. You're alive and I want you to live in me. I receive your spirit today. Make me new. Connect me to the source of your love. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, come on, let's rejoice with the Lord. Praise God.